Please be seated. And as you're being seated, turn to Hebrews chapter 11, beginning with verse 23. Just hold that uh, page in your Bibles. We'll be referring to it uh, throughout our time together this morning. But I want us to take a stroll down memory lane in the pages of Scripture and be encouraged to live by faith today. The author began Hebrews chapter 11 by giving a definition of faith, and he said that God commands those who so live by faith. And then the rest of the chapter, including what we'll consider today, is a historical perspective on faith beginning at the very beginning with creation as we are to, by faith, understand that God created all that exists out of nothing. And then he moves on to consider the example of faith of those people who lived before the flood, the pre-Diluvian generation. There we considered the faith of Abel, Enoch, and Noah. From this, he, he moved on in history to the patriarchs, and we learned about Abraham's faith, that of Isaac, Jacob, as well as Joseph. And with Joseph, we are brought to Egypt eventually, as Joseph was used of God to save Israel from famine in Canaan as they resettled in Egypt. And now fast forward 450 years and we come to Moses. We come to the Exodus generation and the generation of the conquest of Canaan. And then we come to the period of the judges and the kings and the prophets and even the post-exilic era of Israel, all covered in Hebrews chapter 11 to give us a historical perspective on what it means, what it looks like, what we're called to, and that is to live by faith. In chapter 11, in this grand historical perspective, this panorama of faith that is given there all culminates in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, as next week we'll consider Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Do you see what the author of Hebrews is doing in chapter 11 and also in chapter 12? And so as we walk down memory lane in the pages of Scripture today, as we recall the faith of the saints that are gone before us, we'll look at Abraham's faith. That'll be our major focus today. But we'll also consider the faith of that Exodus and conquest generations, including Rahab. And then we'll look at many other examples throughout the, the different epochs of, of his, the history of Israel. And then next week, we'll consider the author and perfecter of our faith. But first, Moses. Our, our walk down memory lane recalls the faith of Moses. And here's the lesson for us as we consider the faith of Moses, that living by faith is costly. And are you willing to pay the price? By faith, Moses' parents disobeyed the most powerful man on earth 
to preserve their son's life. Now turn to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 23. We read, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Now the the author recounts what we read in Exodus chapter 1 where the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, ordered that every male that was born of the Hebrews was to be thrown in the Nile, destroyed, because he wanted to reduce the population of the Israelites that had become so great. So the parents took a great risk in hiding Moses by the Nile. The penalty would be severe if they were discovered. The text specifically states, the child was beautiful. What parent doesn't look at their child and say, what a beautiful baby. And we are to agree with every parent, by the way. But we need to look and see that that what is in the, what the author wants us to understand is something more than Moses was cute, and I'm sure he was. Because Stephen, in his sermon in Acts chapter 7, recounts this story of Moses. And Stephen says that Moses was beautiful in God's sight. Somehow, in some way, Moses' parents had an understanding that Moses was going to be used of God in a special way for a special purpose in the life of Israel. And, of course, we know that Moses is a redeemer figure of Israel. Moses' life begins in the sphere of faith. Pharaoh's daughter found and adopted Moses. And what a beautiful twist of Scripture. Moses' very own mother was employed to nurse her own son by Pharaoh's daughters. By faith, Moses chose to identify with his brothers, his his family, his nation, the Hebrews. They were slaves. Their lives were horrible. They were in bondage. They suffered. And yet Moses renounced, forsook all of the wealth and treasures, even his status, as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, and aligned himself, identified himself with his people, slaves in Egypt, Israel. Think of what Moses set aside, all the privilege. You don't talk about privilege. He had, he was privileged. He set it aside. All of the advantages set it aside to identify with slaves to identify with those who were in bondage. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 24, By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Verse 25, Choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. We also learn from Acts chapter 7, Stephen's sermon that Moses was 40 years old when when he renounced Egypt, 
and align himself with God's people. You know the story in Exodus chapter 2 where Moses saw one of his brothers being mistreated by an Egyptian and Moses struck down the Egyptian. The author of Hebrews in verse 26 tells us that by faith he, Moses, considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt for he was looking to the reward. The reproach or stigma, as you may be familiar with that word, the stigma of Christ refers to Christ's humiliation. All that Christ set aside in order to identify with God's people, even being humbled to death on a cross in order to, to redeem them from bondage. A much greater bondage, by the way, than Egypt. Bondage to Satan, bondage to sin, the ultimate bondage. And this statement shows that, that Moses' faith was in the Savior, was in Messiah, the very one that God would send in his time to fully identify with the stigma of his people and deliver them. The author of Hebrews understood what, what Moses gained in identifying with the stigma of Christ. And he was looking to the reward of heaven. And that that was far greater than all the wealth of Egypt put together. The words of Paul in Philippians chapter 3 and verses 7 through 8 ring loudly in my mind and in my heart and maybe yours as well. For Paul says, for whatever gain I had counted, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Is gaining Christ that important to you and to me? Would we readily renounce Egypt and align ourselves with the humiliation of Christ a wealth that is far greater than that of Egypt. There is a cost to living by faith. Moses paid a great price, and so must every disciple of Jesus Christ. Jesus' own words tell us this. In Luke chapter 9 and verses 23 through 25, where Jesus said, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? 
loses or forfeits his soul. That price of dying to self, dying to all other little s saviors, dying to storing up earthly treasures that we think is going to secure joy for us. Bearing the cross is dying. Bearing the cross is daily. Bearing the cross is daily dying to everything. Whereby we are fully devoted to one thing, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. F.F. Bruce said this about Moses. Moses weighed the issues of time in the balances of eternity. Moses weighed the issues of time in the balances of eternity. Where is our treasure? When we weigh all the treasures this world has to offer in the balances of eternity, it might weigh a gram. Think about that. And yet the weight of the treasures we have by faith in Jesus Christ has no value to it because it's incalculable. There's not a scale big enough to weigh the eternal treasures and rewards that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. So what do you want to live for, a gram of treasure or an infinite weight of treasure? That's what it means to weigh the issues of time and the balances of eternity. And the original recipients were being pressured to forsake Christ. That is the original recipients of the letter to the Hebrews. And just think about all the ridicule they they received because they were associating themselves with the stigma of Christ. (laughs) You believe in a crucified Messiah? How foolish and really, I just, how dumb can you be? And they were being pressured to forsake the stigma of Christ's name and, in effect, return to Moses. Now, I want you to catch this. The recipients of the letter to the Hebrews were being ridiculed and pressured to forsake any identification with the crucified Messiah, this, this, the, the stigma of Christ's name that, that, that accompanied the Lord Jesus Christ in this day. They were being ridiculed and pressured to go back to Moses. The author tells us Moses weighed the issues of time in the balance of eternity and he divested himself. He renounced all the privilege and treasures of Egypt to identify himself with the very thing these believers in the first century were being pressured to reject, and that is the stigma of Christ. Do you see the irony here? 
Moses rejected all that the world had to offer to identify with the stigma of Christ. These Christians were being pressured to reject the stigma of Christ and identify with all the things that the world has to offer. And when you weigh this in the balance, which one comes up short? Egypt. Moses forsook all the honor and wealth of Egypt to, by faith, identify with the stigma of Christ and gain a reward infinitely greater. And we are encouraged to make the same measurement ourselves. We are encouraged to weigh the issues of time in the balances of eternity by faith may we respond with an eternal perspective where we understand that the treasures and the pleasures and all of the rewards of this world as compared to knowing Christ and all that we have in him are but Paul said rubbish and I'm not saying that we should reject bank accounts and money and cars. The issue is, are we depending on them to give us what only Christ can give us? Would we be so given to the things of this world that we would embrace them and, as Jesus himself said, forfeit our souls. Moses' faith response to identify with Israel meant he had to leave Egypt. Look at verse 27. By faith he left Egypt not, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Now if you read Exodus 2, obviously Moses was fearful that Pharaoh might find out what he had done and suffer the consequences. But our author here tells us that the reason Moses left Egypt was not because he feared Pharaoh. Again, there's something more going on here. In some way, Moses had some sense that God had a plan for him that had to do with the deliverance of God's people from bondage. In fact, Moses left Israel, went to Midian, and the text tells us where he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Look at the end of verse 27. What does that mean? It probably refers to Moses' encounter with God at the burning bush, where God commissioned Moses to go back to Egypt as a means of deliverance for God's people. Moses did return to Egypt. By faith, he confronted Pharaoh and the ten plagues who secures Israel's deliverance. The tenth plague is cited in verse 28. And again, it's used as an example of Moses' faith. In verse 28, Hebrews 11, by faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch him. Before the deliverance actually took place, by faith, Moses celebrated it in the Passover the night before. 
Living by faith was costly to Moses, but the price was well worth paying. For by faith came a greater reward, deliverance. Deliverance in part in this life, deliverance in full in the life to come. Living by faith is costly to us. Will we pay the price? In that faith response to align with Jesus and renounce Egypt. It requires taking up our cross, bearing it daily, dying to all daily, dying to whatever might buy to replace Jesus in our lives, to die to it daily that we would follow the Lord. The price we pay in taking up our cross pales in comparison to the reward we gain. Will you pay the price? Will you pay the price of that faith response to renounce Egypt and identify with the stigma of Christ and find the rewards of Christ are so much greater? Secondly, and brief, briefer, briefly, I want us to look at as we walk down this memory lane, I want us to look at the faith of the Exodus and conquest generations. And one lesson that we have here, where the first lesson with Moses is living by faith is costly. It costs us our lives. Did you know that, that living by faith costs us our lives? That's what it means to, to bear your cross daily, to die daily and follow Jesus wholeheartedly. The second lesson is that God's people trust him to deliver. We live by faith, trusting God to deliver. The author declares in verse 29, by faith the people crossed the Red Sea on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. So after celebrating the Passover, Moses led the the people to the, I guess, the bank of the Red Sea, Exodus 14, that, that Jeff read earlier. And they found themselves with this massive water, this body of water in front of them. And they looked back and Pharaoh's army was bearing down on them in, in the rear. They were trapped. They began to fear. And Jeff read much of Exodus 14. I'll simply read two verses, verses 13 and 14. And Moses said to the people, fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. See the deliverance of the Lord which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. And the Lord will fight for you. And you have only to be silent. I love that. That's a lesson we need to remember every day. The Lord will fight for us. And all we need to do is be silent. The author fast forwards 40 plus years. He he skips the events of the Mount Sinai. He skips all of the faithlessness of the 40 years of wilderness wanderings. And he fast forwards to the bank of the Jordan 
river after 40 years with that new generation ready to go in and possess the land. And they, they crossed the Jordan River to possess the land that had been promised to them. And, and God's deliverance is, is seen in the fact that, that the enemy will be defeated. And the first example of that is Jericho, Joshua chapter 6. Hebrews 11, verse 30, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. No siege works, no battering rams, no bows and arrows, no waiting the enemy out. By faith the people obeyed the word of the Lord, marched around the city, and on the seventh day they marched around the city, they blew the trumpets, and they all shouted, and the walls came a-tumbling down. How foolish those people must have looked. Jericho was in fear of Israel. They were a mighty army. But they marched around the city like idiots. By faith, we obey the word of the Lord. We trust him to deliver. And then the author gives one individual who experienced deliverance. Joshua chapter 2 and also Joshua chapter 6. Look at Hebrews 12, 31. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And so Rahab the harlot had heard that, that Israel's God was, was mighty. All the inhabitants of Jericho were fearful. But she responded in a faith response based upon the work of God in her own heart as she responded and helped the spies, resulting not only in her deliverance in Joshua chapter 6, but her entire household. The scandalous foreigner, this prostitute, is incorporated into the covenant community by grace and through faith. And not only that, but she shows up in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 5. The, the writer of Hebrews in, encouraged his flock to persevere. Yes, living by faith is costly, but persevere. Because the God in whom you believe is a God who delivers. Though they felt trapped between the Red Sea and an army, there in the first century. They were being pressured by the enemy. Though the task to conquer the enemy seemed impossible to achieve, much like toppling the city wall of Jericho, and even though their own personal circumstances, the, the suffering that they were enduring in some way was as hopeless as the situation that Rahab found herself. By faith in Christ, they were to look forward to the reward that would come in full in that day to come. To look to the examples of the Exodus generation who trusted God for deliverance, to the conquest generation who trusted God for deliverance, to Rahab who trusted God for deliverance. And our pastor, the author of Hebrews, writing to his flock suffering is saying, 
dear brothers and sisters, persevere for your God, our God, is a God who delivers. This scroll down memory lane in the pages of scriptures shows us this. Persevere in living by faith. And this walk down memory lane also highlights the faith of many more Old Testament saints. Saints that lived in the, in the age of the judges, in the, in the era of the kings, in the time of the prophets, even in the exile period leading up to Christ. And here's the lesson we learn from the remaining verses of chapter 11. For those who live by faith, there are no guarantees that we will have an easy life. There are no guarantees that we will have a trouble-free life. There are no guarantees that we will live the good life that this world has to offer. We are not guaranteed the easy life, but we are guaranteed to realize one day the promise of an eternal home, ultimate deliverance. Hebrews ends, or chapter 11 ends with verses 39 and 40. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be perfect. If Christ tarries, we too will die before realizing the promise in full. But God, whoever has provided something better, the promise, an eternal reward, an inheritance that will be fulfilled. And as we live by faith today, with no guarantees of a trouble-free life, may our eyes be fixed on the guarantee of God's presence, the guarantee of God's love, the guarantee of God's power, the guarantee of God's sovereignty and his sovereign plan, his sovereign purposes, his sovereign provisions, all culminating in fulfillment and eternal reward for the people of God. That's what it means to live by faith, realizing there are no guarantees of a good life now, but my eyes are fixed on, just like Moses' eyes were fixed on, just like the Exodus generation's eyes were fixed on, the conquest generation's eyes were fixed on, and Rahab's eyes were fixed on. And all the people that we'll just look at briefly here are fixed on. God's provision of an eternal reward in heaven. So let me just read verses 32 through 38. And what more shall I say for time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they may rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins and sheep and goats, destitute clothing, 
uh, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in the desert and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. These individuals that, that are part of the hall of faith here in sacred scripture demonstrate there are no guarantees that we're going to live the good life here in this earth. No guarantees of, a, of never suffering. No guarantees of having it all. By faith, Gideon won a great victory over the Midianites with 300 men. By faith, David repented. But he also conquered kingdoms and forced justice, obtained promises. He was at war all the time. By faith, Samuel spoke and acted for God, as did all the prophets. By faith, Daniel was faithful to God and trusted God's provision in the lion's den and was delivered. By faith, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were devoted to God, would not bow down to that statue Nebuchadnezzar had made of himself. They were thrown into the fiery furnace, and they prevailed. They quenched the flames, our author says. God provided for them. By faith, Elijah, Elisha and Jeremiah escaped the sword. By faith, Esther and Samson were made strong out of weakness. By faith, Elijah and Elisha brought two sons back to life. By faith, some were tortured, others mocked and flogged, some in prison. By faith, Jeremiah was stoned. By faith, Isaiah is reportedly to have died being sawed in two during the reign of Manasseh. And many others were killed by the sword. By faith, the prophets served, dressed in the skins of animals, wandering around the desert like madmen. But they served God, they were faithful to him, and they were persecuted, and they were humiliated, and they were living in poverty. But by faith, they persevered. Do you really think that your life is going to be a carefree, easygoing life if the pages of Holy Scripture show that the great saints that have gone before us persevered by faith? but endured suffering and trials. Living by faith does not guarantee an easy life or a comfortable life. In fact, living by faith guarantees adversity and trials and all sorts of affliction. Because living by faith means we have to pay a cost, a price, to forsake Egypt and identify with the stigma of Christ. Living by faith means that daily we have to die to self and trust God to deliver us. And living by faith means we don't have any guarantees of the easy life here, but we have every guarantee of a greater reward in the life to come. The original recipients of this letter needed to be reminded that the saints that lived before them suffered by faith. And their suffering by faith, their example, their witness, encouraged those believers in the day this letter was written to persevere. 
in this very stroll through memory lane, the pages of Scripture encourages us today to persevere even when life is tough. Do, do we need to be encouraged to live by faith today? in the midst of trials and tribulations. Albert Moeller asked a question in an article that he wrote recently that appeared in the World Opinion section of World Magazine. And here, here's the question. Will your church membership cost you your job? He tells the story of a successful businessman and executive, Andrew Thornburn, he was the CEO of one of the largest banks in Australia, and he was hired to become the CEO of a very successful Australian sports franchise. An incredible controversy erupted when this, this hire was announced. And here's the controversy. This man can't possibly be in this position because he's a member of an evangelical Anglican church that is against same-sex marriage and holds to the traditional view of marriage. Such pressure was brought to bear upon this organization that Mr. Thornborn resigned less than 24 hours of being on the job. And the point that Moeller makes, and I think he makes the right point here, do not think that this type of thing is only in Australia. This type of, of suffering is already in our country. We, we, we may have a sense that where we are today is such a distance from where those original recipients of this letters were. Oh, oh they, they were being pressured to abandon Christ. They were being threatened with, with, with persecution. That's not us. It's here. And the message of faith that Hebrews has had for them is the very message that we need very much today. That we would understand that living by faith may cost you your job. Living by faith may result in imprisonment. Living by faith may result in you having no friends outside of the church. Living by faith means your family may disown you. Living by faith means we have renounced our allegiance to the things of this world to be fully devoted to Christ. Living by faith means we don't trust in the world's armies to redeem us. We trust in the God who's, who divided the Red Sea, the God who toppled the wall of Jericho to be our deliverer. And living by faith means that we will face 
adversity because the world is ever pressing in on the people of faith to cause them to forsake Jesus. And the writer of Hebrews says, persevere like Moses, like the Exodus generation and the generation of the conquest and the saints in the period of the judges and the kings and the prophets, like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, persevere. And why do we persevere? Because God is in the business of persevering his people. Would you trust him? Let us pray. Father, cause us to see that what Moses did is what we are to do. For the generations of your people did in the Exodus and the conquest is what we are to do. What those precious saints in the pages of Hebrews did as they lived by faith and suffered, but persevered because of your work of grace in their lives. Father, that's what you have called us to, and may you ever pour out all the persevering grace that we need, that we would be numbered among the saints of Hebrews 11 as examples of living by faith. We praise you and we thank you for your goodness and for your love and for your mercy. We thank you that we have a reward that far surpasses anything that all the treasures of this world might bring. We have Jesus. We pray and ask for greater faith. In his name, amen.